I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Ditchburn. I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance that I needed the most. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your superpower. So lock your door, put your headphones in, and enjoy. Lena Sibula, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor having to have you on my podcast, Lena. And I just wanted to say that this podcast is for everyone who, who struggled or still struggling with childhood sexual abuse, with drug addictions, or who have been in a situation with a human trafficking and is looking for hope and to find a purpose in their life. Lena, and knowing what you've gone through, I just wanted to say congratulations. Congratulations on what you have achieved so far and who you became. Thank you so much for your kind words. Lena, my first question to you, why is it so important to speak up about your trauma? Well, honestly, I would have never imagined that after 20 years of silence that um, I would be standing on stage in front of hundreds of people and my story would be broadcasted all over social media because in the past I thought I, like, I actually was afraid of judgment and rejection because I thought my story, it's of guilt, shame, and condemnation. But now I know that it's God's story of salvation. And that's what's important to me because I hid my past for, for so long. And now I actually experience the freedom by speaking out, receiving amazing feedback it wasn't rejection. It wasn't um, judgment. People love me and support me. And that is proof that our past is not our prison and we are not alone in our suffering. So that was an amazing opportunity. And I'm so grateful that it happened the way it did. You've mentioned that uh, there was a fear of judgment and shame and, and guilt and I really resonate with you on it. And I really appreciate you sharing your story today with us. Lena, but how, how did it start? Where is your trauma coming from? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm, I was born and raised in Ukraine. And my parents struggled in their marriage and they became an alcoholics. And they lost well-paid jobs. And at our home... The government turned off the electricity and hot water for outstanding bills. And I was hungry all the time. I was literally starving. Um, our home was infested with black mold, cockroaches, and mice. And we struggled in poverty and trying to survive. So I was raised in a home full of strangers who brought booze and drugs with parents who did nothing to protect me. So I became an easy target for those guys. And I was drugged and raped in the basement of my apartment numerous times. How old were you when you first were raped? Uh, I was actually, I started drinking and smoking when I was 13. So from probably like 13 and up, 14, somewhere there. Yes. It's a very, very young age very young age and I don't think you you realize what are you doing really and I believe that it's not because you had nothing else to do I believe it was escapism and behavior what's happened next Lena how was your life going forward yeah when I thought things couldn't get any worse one month before my 15th birthday, I woke up with um, severe abdominal pain and scared and confused only to realize I was in labor. I didn't know I was pregnant and I didn't know who her father was. 
Yeah, my baby died um, three months later from health complication. Uh, complication. So I buried her. I honestly, I carried this small casket in my hands to the cemetery. In the next twenty years, that image has plagued my mind and my soul. So I start using um, heavy drugs to medicate my pain, and I turned to heroin because it was easier to feel um, high than to be feeling worthless and hopeless abandoned and so broken were you still living in the house with your parents um that time yes lena and what was the reaction of your parents when they saw their daughter on drugs and alcohol getting raped oh this is interesting question because i hated them for very long time because there was no discipline there was no care there was neglect and abuse But um, now I do understand they were broken. They were drunk all the time. I don't think like my father ever really comprehend what is understand, like what's happening. Now I understand this. But one time he said this phrase and literally it broke my heart. When they pulling me out, the, the gang of mafia, whatever it is, They are, they were pulling me out from my house and my father was sitting in the chair so drunk. He said, take her, just don't bother me. And in that moment, I have so much hate for this human being, not only as a father, but as a man too. Like, why wouldn't you like protect somebody in need? But now I do understand, you know, I became an alcoholic, drug addict, and I didn't have really regards for human life, for my own life too. So it's really hard to be actually conscious and um, see the or morals or anything like that. So yeah, it's it's been a process for me to actually forgive him. But honestly, that forgiveness brought me peace and brought him peace as well. So it's a good ending of that story. I am very glad that you you were talking about forgiveness because I think forgiveness is freeing yourself from the tyranny of this pain. And we are not saying about not keeping people accountable for what they've done. But when I forgive my stepfather, it really released so much energy and it it freed so much space in (laughs) in my body that I could feel filled up with love. Lena, have you ever tried at those point to stop taking drugs and alcohol? I don't think so. I never wanted to stop. And I think that's very interesting because I didn't really want to die of like overdose or anything like that. But I just want to be checked out. I want to be living. That was my coping mechanism to actually, that helped me survive, I do believe. Lena, you you might not answer this question, but what was your most shameful moment during those time? Mm, very interesting. I don't know. It's hard to say what is the most shameful because I think like all of it like was the way you have to find the money, find the drugs, get involved like with this very shady bunch of people, you know, being high being dirty and like homeless, like here and there, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint what was, you know, how to like do whatever it takes to, to get money. So sometimes steal, sometimes, um, I don't know, use sex sometimes. I don't know. Like that's, that's honestly like looking back as, um, I gotta do quotation marks. If you guys see me that, um, say normal human being, like if you look at it, like you can think that all of it is shameful because that's not how, again, normal human being behave. But when you're on, on drugs, you're actually like different creature. You don't think, you don't feel the same, you don't behave the same. So um, definitely like I feel that um, when People on drugs, they are consumed by it, you know, by addiction. And the more you're in pain, the more you want to escape in those drugs. Lena, off the camera, 
you also share the story that you you were kidnapped and sent to another country, human trafficked. Would you share this story with us? Yes, absolutely. And um, when I wrote my book, if you guys ever going to read my book, that's definitely there's few red flags that I could see that I would know that something bad is happening. But you have to understand, like, it was few years I was on drugs. I was like on the street. People were dying around me. People went to jail. And I was so desperate and in despair to um, get out because in I had this awakening that and almost like fear that this is where I'm going to end up on, in jail or in cemetery. But there is no hopes for people like me, there is no dreams, there is no one going to come and support you or help you to clean up, even like if you have a desire to do so. So through my mutual friend, I met this lady and oh my goodness, guys, she was and rich and uh, was, um, I don't know how to explain, but she was kind to me and compassionate to me and I was a street junkie nobody cared for me for a very long time and she brought me to her home and she offered me fancy coffee and sweets and I was so impressed that she has sugar that's how like poor and crazy like poor in spirit poor in mind poor in physical needs I was that the sugar impressed me you know and her home and the way she behaved with me I just, you know, I had no guards. I, I have um, not much thought why this is happening. I just uh, want to be cared for. So she told me she would be able to uh, find me a job. And there was no specifics, just a job. So without much thought, I accepted Igor to escape. So her team went to work, they dressed me up, cleaned me up. And that was probably my first red flag because I thought, like, why do I have to look so nice? What kind of job am I going to be doing? You know, I have those thoughts, but I still was using drugs because I still was addicted and they didn't stop or they did not supply me. But, you know, they kind of like, they didn't really encourage us because like I was drug addict. Maybe like if I wasn't, there was something about it, but I was so far into addiction that I was pretty much easy target. I had nobody looking for me. Nobody uh, would ask questions or anything like that. So I was like, like perfect mark. So still on heavy drugs. I don't remember an airport. And how I got through customs, I'll never know. I just woke up one morning here in the Muslim prayer. I'll call to prayer, Allah, Akbar, run out. So I was scared and confused because I was in a foreign country. So yeah, that's nice. That nice lady sold me into human trafficking. How old were you? I just turned 18. And how long have you been kept in prison? Or how, almost, how do you say? In- almost two years. It's it's very interesting because my my story it's a little bit different, and that's why I keep like advocating, you know, for um, human trafficking. Because what happens is sometimes people thinking uh, even like kidnapping or smuggling or trafficking, it's actually three different things, but. All of the time, people think that it's include force and violence. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those red flags, but sometimes they are not there. Because look, how I went through a report, somebody spoke for me because I don't remember anything. Somebody had my documents because I didn't have my passport. And so those are actually red flags as well, because... You can see and ask question why this woman been held or work like that, why she is not answering the questions, why she doesn't have the documents, why she looks strange or sometimes scared or confused, you know, those kind of things are very valuable. And you know what? That's what I advocate for. And they 
when I end up, so I end up in Cairo, Egypt, and from there they forced me to crawl under the barbed wire to crossing the Israel border illegally, actually. And what happened is um, I was bought by the family business. And honestly, this story probably one in a million. So I actually was unclean because I was able to, through this process, quit heroin because I had no other choice. So I would actually have um, two outcomes. I would die or I would recover. So by the grace of God, I recover. So I was clean from drugs for the first time. It was like in five years. Then um, I actually was clean and fed physically. And they allowed me to make some money. And I have a bodyguard. So Honestly, like some people thinking like, oh my gosh, you like end up in slavery. But for me, it was upgrade because I've been raped, beaten to almost death. Like I end up in the hospital like every other night. Like I didn't know how I and like get there, you know, with injuries, broken bones, you know. It's so for me, I never really understood or didn't want to believe that I'm a prisoner but by the way they treated us it still was more humane than other places because the girls who came with me they died they been killed like never seen again so I was like one that special case and um, very interesting too on top of that too that one of my bodyguard actually um, shared the gospel with me. So in the middle of the brothel, this guy was talking about God with me. So that was another huge, like, I don't know, I want to say benefit, but you guys going to think like, it's so weird that I'm saying like, I was in the brothel and that was Blessings. I, it's yeah. a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's for the first time somebody told me that I'm loved. And I was like, what? Look at like who I am. Look at what I do. And that's for the first time. It's He told me that, that God loves me no matter like what. And it was very interesting experience for me. Yeah. Wow. Who would think? Because you're right. People are not educated on on this topic they don't know what's happening and probably you had to go through this experience to finally find a god and to heal from your past and i know we need an adversity in our life to grow and to self-develop to find love in ourselves i still think some of those things we could avoid and it could be a different way if the trauma, generational trauma could be broken with your parents. Lena, how did you feel being in this brothel? Well, honestly, like first, the older women tried to get me kind of like under the wing, you know, to support me somehow because I was a skinny little tiny kid with the two braids, you know, they thought, oh my goodness, the kid ended up being here. But later on, they understood that I actually already been around the block. So I was more like I was broken. Yeah. So like it's definitely trauma was showing through through all the decision that I make or my behavior definitely was behavior. And actually in first night, like after having all these clients and literally that's how crazy it was. Somebody give me yogurt. And through all that crazy night, all I thought about that, I'm thinking, man, this food tastes so good. I literally never ate anything so amazing. That was like my end of the night while everybody was like in shock, thinking that I'm going to be like breaking down, crying, hysterical or anything like that, because that's what they expect to experience by the way I look, you know, so it's definitely it took me a while actually to realize that I'm a prisoner, that I cannot go anywhere uh, by myself, that I don't have my documents, that I don't have a say 
in many things that free people actually can do. But yeah, and you know what, like saddest part, nobody looked for me, you know, until they allowed me after three months, probably when they already knew that I'm not going to run, where are you going to run? You Like in another country, another language, another everything. But plus, like, where do I going to run? Home? I had no home. I have like no one to wait in for me or care for me or even looking for me. Because until I called them, they didn't look for me. I was gone for three months. So this 18-year-old kid just disappeared for three months. I could be dead. I could be like roadkill and nobody would look for me. How crazy is that? So that's very, very interesting too. Lena, how how did you get out from this brothel? And what's happened next? Well, honestly, that's another miraculous story because in most cases, you will never leave this kind of situation alive unless you have been rescued. But by the grace of God, almost two years later, they set me free and I was allowed to go home. Yeah, back home to Ukraine. And what's happened in Ukraine when you get back? Yeah, that's really interesting because I was sending some money to my aunt because she was one trustworthy person I thought she was. But um, yeah, she stole and spent all my money. And one of my other bodyguards, who was like a brother to me, um, stole all of my possessions that I accumulate for those two years because I assume that I'm going to come back and build a normal life because I can buy uh, maybe a little apartment, get the job, something like that. So I have like some hopes to, to build that kind of future, but I end up with nothing. So I remember I had the bracelet and uh, I went and I found the drug dealer and I sold that bracelet and I was on heroin, literally like same how I was before because that was my uh, coping mechanism I didn't know how to deal with myself and with betrayal and with this pain thinking like these people know what was happening to me for the last two years it's like uh, it's terrible but um, then I need again money to get the drugs and I end up the right hand of the number one drug dealer in my city and uh, then I thought, like, now I have enough any money and drugs and influence. But then it wasn't safe, too. I could be murdered. I can be put in jail. Or I could die of overdose because by that time, I was already using the dose of five people. So I actually went um, and decided to quit myself because I didn't want to die. And I felt it. I don't know. Now I know that God was speaking to me through all this um, ordeal because I felt it. God saying to me, "You, you've been made for more. It's like you've been. It's there. There's something more." And it was interesting because it was enough for me to know that I don't want to die because there was something for me. So second time, I actually decided to quit heroin by myself. I almost died because. All the organs shut down, but I was able to recover with no rehab, with no any fancy medications, like on the dry. It was so much pain, so much suffering, but the body recovered. And uh, But the second time, I didn't know what else to do. So I just find the people that I knew and I sold myself into human trafficking like willingly because the body was my commodity it was not precious and priceless to me it was the tool that I would use to get me from get me something or get me from one country to another I thought I'm gonna go to Israel and that's how crazy it is in my head was that that the Israel was better than back home but uh, they brought me to Canada but in Canada, what was different that I had the paper trail because right away, like we got the and lower and stuff like that because they didn't want me to get deported because I'm a money making machine. So I better stay here legally. But I thought to myself, 
okay, so if I have a document here, um, I should learn English, you know, so I convinced them to allow me to go have ESL classes. And that's where I met people who started telling me without knowing who I am by night, you know, that uh, in Canada, you have rights. This is first time in my life, I actually realized that I have rights, human rights. And um, I ran away. I just took a chance. I ran away. I had help with like two of my trusted friends who actually helped me and to live in shelter, to find the shelter and later on to find the job. And, and uh, well, before I was like on the welfare because I actually was learning English and got to the point that I was able to get a job and probably less than a year I was off the welfare. I had a job and the um, following year I went to cosmetology a government credit school and I finished that one year course and I became a hairstylist. So I've been a hairstylist for 12 years and then I owned my hair salon for two years and then I quit that and I published my book and now I'm speaker and author and um, I just want to share my story and share the hope and encourage people that there is possibilities to to be healthy and have love and peace and wholeness again, doesn't matter like on a trauma, on a past, you know, you can recover and uh, be loved. Love and be loved. That's my brand, love and be loved. Yes. You are such an amazing human being, Lena. Thank and you. I know you're helping millions. Lena, it's a huge trauma, huge trauma. What helped you to heal? Yeah, definitely. I do believe my faith in God was number one because it's it's took huge um, turn to actually know the truth about my identity because that negative self-talk uh, when my mindset shifted from I'm worthless, abandoned and broken to I am significant and my life is valuable, that I am loved so that's allowed me to have a grace and compassion for myself. Then very important support system. You know, um, I have accountability partner. Um, you can choose friends or family or your church. Someone that would call you um, weekly and ask the questions, you know, encourage you or pray for you and follow up. Another one was really important. It's writing my manuscript. I actually did not have deadline. I didn't have a publisher at that time. And I just was writing that manuscript for three years. I was crying and laughing and and just it's allowed me to actually pour out all this trauma and all this story into paper because up to that time, it was all within me. And when I was writing, it was very interesting it was like almost like this shift was like I saw my past from different perspective, you know, while I'm healed and loved and redeemed and forgiven. And I'm looking back, I had compassion on myself and on my behavior and on my family and on my like my parents, you know. But the most important part, I was able to forgive myself because I realized there was no other choice, but then not like I didn't have a choice. Yeah, I could kill myself, but that wasn't an option for me that I want to go there. And that's what actually opened my eyes. And then I saw my mother who was very cold and neglective. Um, and uh, then I realized now I'm a mother with three kids as well. And I'm married. So I know how hard marriage is. I know how hard all the circumstances around us. And I'm thinking, so if I didn't have a man who loved me, if I didn't have a work to pay for just even like basic things like uh, food and hot water and electricity, if I didn't have a God and support of my community, what kind of woman would I be? If I would be so empty how can I love anyone else? And it's hard to 
see that when I was that 15 year old kid asking her like why like how come you didn't know I'm pregnant how come like you didn't understand that I'm sick from the booze and drugs how come you didn't see that I'm not coming home how come you didn't see like my broken legs and hands like where were you and now I'm realizing she wasn't there either she wasn't there for herself. She was so broken. So is my dad, you know, with wife who is cheating, with uh, country that's fallen apart, losing his job, losing his dreams, like his marriage falling apart. So he went into hiding too. He went to that emotional coma that I was for almost like 10 years of my life doing drugs. So now I could understand them. And it's very interesting when I wrote my book, I cried so much, but there was no pain. There was no pain. There was so much grace and compassion that it's literally changed my life. Honestly, in the beginning, like I said to you guys, I thought it was my past full of shame and guilt and condemnation. That's why, that's why I didn't really want to share my story. But then I just say yes to God to be obedient and I thought, if this is help someone, I'll be so grateful. I want to do this for someone else. But honestly, guys, it changed my life. And sometimes that's what's stopping us from speaking. It's that victim mindset and all that shame. So I would give you advice, just start writing. You don't have to write a book. You can write the journal. You can write one letter. If you're still not sharing this pain with anyone, you can find someone you trust and give them that letter or that journal. One of my friends actually recommend to do that. And I'm thinking, this is amazing because it's very hard to speak our truth. So this pain actually still in us doesn't matter how wonderful my life was without healing my past. I would never have thriving marriage and or thriving, thriving self-esteem or thriving that thriving Lena because there always was that secret. There always was that darkness. And it triggered me in so many different times in different ways negatively. So until it's there, until it's been worked through, it would I would never be healed. Yeah. Lena, you said something that is very important to me as well. And I'm 100% agree with you. Until you have this secret, you will never, ever live fully. Mm. And I've been into this, in, in this place when I've learned how to survive. You know, I was going to work. I uh, was walking my dog out. I was driving the car. But I wasn't living fully. I resonate with you so much. And I just want to share quickly a story with you. Uh, and I shared this in my previous episodes. When I went back to Russia to testify against my stepfather, I wrote an article with, um, with one of the biggest publishers in my hometown about my story, because I've realized that in my hometown, we have no childhood sexual abuse, abuser support, mm. childhood sexual abuse survivors support. And I thought, what can I do? And I wanted to share my story. I wanted those girls who are in my position or were in my position to hear this story, to in encourage them to speak up and start healing. Because all, all of these tragedies are happening because we are silent because we keep silent. And this one article went viral and I had hundreds of letters from people telling me, thank you so much for opening up. And I've, I saw hundreds of stories that would never ever see the light. And my story was chosen as a number one article in my area. And my, my publisher asked me to give me a, to give him an update what's happened since then. And I said that I'm, I'm glad it, it was chosen as a, a number one 
because we will get more exposure. And you know, Lena, I received so much hate and so much judgment. It's, it, was, it was unbelievable how many people still don't realize how is it to be a victim. And I know it's hard to understand if you haven't gone through this situation and they don't know that you have been conditioned. And some of the comments were, well, you didn't know what was happening. You were 15. You're supposed to knew. <laughs> or some, some comments were like, why are you telling it now? And I just want to ask you, Lena, and you kept this secret for 20 years. What made you to decide to open up? Well, honestly, I don't know, guys, like how, like what you believe, you know, because we have like different sometimes, like somebody could say, oh, this is intuition, this is that. But for me, it was God here um, through one of the women conferences three times people came to me and told me that I should write a book. So I knew hundred percent that was, that what God was um, using those people to actually tell me the stories because um, I would that um, uh, give me that advice because I was sharing my stories without even thinking. I just was trying to encourage, inspire someone and then they say, you should write a book about it. You should write a book. I'm like, okay. And then I said to you guys, okay, what do you want me to do? And I kid you not, I saw a vision. And I don't know how you can accept that, but this is what happened. It was almost like a dream. I saw my picture on a banner and I saw myself signing the books. And I had panic attack. That means it's public. And I literally, I cry for like three days. I'm like, why do you making me do this? People see who I am right now. I literally, I'm mom with three kids. I have, I'm a salon owner. I'm a church member. I am in a meal committee because I love to cook for people and feed them because I was hungry half of my life and starving. So now I want to feed people. I want to take care of people. Same as with the salon. I want to make people beautiful. I want women to feel good about themselves. Plus, like I'm praying and encouraging them. So build them up like someone that I never have anything like that. And it was just amazing. It just fills my soul. So people know me as this bubbly, happy, lovely I don't know, I'm just kind of tuning my own horn, but the persona that I created with the good family and good life, that's what they saw. So when I understood what God asking me to do, I was in shock. I was, I was like, I couldn't believe this, you know, because I didn't want to share my story. I didn't want people to know who I really was because I was full of that and shame and condemnation for the past, not for the present, because I know that God saved me, redeemed me and forgive me. That's why I have this blessed life because of who I am. But this book was like truly miraculous. And actually that's the, the, the name of it, because I assume that it was me before God and me after God. But writing this book, I realized that God's hand was from beginning to the end. So my life is valuable. All of my life, you know, from the day I took my first breath. And that was huge eye-opener because I had to love all of me. I have to forgive all of me. I have to accept all of me before and now and after and in the future. So that was huge, you know, misconception that was like kind of like broken. But I literally, I just want to be obedient to God. I'm like, you know what? I do believe people suffering and struggling and and with the trauma and with the grief and with the drug abuse, I can help. I want to help. I want to help someone else. And I want to be obedient to God because I know that's the path that he chosen for me. And I know he's, he's been faithful to me and I trusted him, but I kid you not by writing that book, by sharing that story, it transformed my life. 
and I closed my business. I'm so grateful that God allowed me to try salon because my teeny tiny whiny dream for me, although it was huge in my mind, compared to God's dream for me that have like no limits. And as you see me or hear me, I love to talk. I love to share my story. I love to encourage. I love to inspire. And nothing else I rather do because this is my passion. This is my path. This is my purpose. And I love this. I truly love this. So it was perfect timing. And that's another thing, perfect timing. God didn't ask me to write my story when I still was living in hell. You know, I was healed. And that was my next level to healing, to take the next step and next step. So that's, I think, how you can see that through the book, because it's more hopeful and and exciting for the future story, rather than have any negative emotion into it and it's very general so anybody can read it like I wouldn't give it to the kids because they don't understand the topic itself but my 13 year old read it and uh, I actually asked her what do you know about human trafficking because she'd been begging me to read that book for a long time so I talked to my husband what he thinks about it and he gave me green light saying that his father told him lots of different stories And um, I decided to give it to her. But plus, she's like, of course, now in the time of technologies, it's 13 go on 20. They think they know everything. But um, the topic of human trafficking uh, actually been, honestly, last five years, it was more in the open. Now people talking about it. So when my book got published, already people um, from different organizations, like I'm part of Fight for Freedom. One of the mission is go and speak at schools. So my daughter already knew about human trafficking through this organization. I'm like, wow, that's awesome because that's create awareness in, um, in our kids. And our kids are innocent. And honestly, everybody can be lured in human trafficking. That's a huge misconception that you guys probably might have thinking like okay of course like her parents were on drugs or alcoholic she was on drugs the discord in the family that's how it happened but actually anyone can be lured like literally I was talking to the gentleman who just said on my podcast this beast of human trafficking have no gender no race no age like it's devour a human being. And same as like the boys and the girls, like it doesn't matter how old you are, literally this beast devour the people. So that that was, that's why now, you know, that was the perfect time in the perfect place. I love your answer. When perfect time and perfect place and the truth will set you free, no matter how old, how old are you or how much time is gone. Lena, what would you say to people who are going through a similar situation like you went through? First of all, you are not alone. Regardless of your journey or what you're going through right now, there is hope and you are significant and your life is valuable. And I know that it's possible to be successful despite the difficulties and challenges of life. Everything is temporary. You don't understand right now why it's happening, but it has a reason and a purpose. As hard as it is, one day you're going to look back and think, that's made me who I am. That's helped me survive. Just one thing, oh my gosh, like, Just don't give up. Don't take your life. It's hard and it's painful. One day everything will change. Just don't give up. What an amazing word. Thank you, Lena. Thank you. And now you also have an amazing podcast, (laughs) Love and Be Loved, where you're sharing your story and you're interviewing an amazing people who provide so 
so many great stories of hope and empowerment. What is your most favorite thing about being a podcaster? Uh, it's very interesting because I love to talk. I love to talk and that's just, I don't know, my, my, my gift. <laughs> But podcast actually taught me to listen. And it was an amazing new skill that I had to develop. And I love this because I love to hear people's stories. I love to share people's stories. And I want everybody to understand that this is happening to all of us. Our traumas are so different. You know, you don't have to be raped and kidnapped and uh, um, smuggled and be trafficked or anything like that. You can be neglected and your heart is still going to be hurting, you know, and you're still going to be in that like a prison of that pain. You know, our traumas are so different. And that's what I want everybody to see and understand from my podcast, that we're all different, we're all unique, but we're suffering all the same. You know, you don't have to judge your trauma or apologize for your trauma. You know, you just have to know yourself and see and see the story of overcoming. Sometimes maybe you identify with a human trafficking survivor and thinking like, oh my goodness, if it's possible for me, it's possible for for her, sorry, it would, would be possible for me. But sometimes you are in a drug addiction and you hear my story and you, you can feel the same. Oh, if you lost of the child. And so is many of amazing Uh, people, amazing guests on my podcast, you can hear their story and, and hear that hope and hear that encouragement and hear that inspiration and think like, if this is possible for this person, it's possible for me. Or sometimes you're gonna think, wow, that's amazing. I never thought that somebody else going through the same thing like I, I am. So you can know that you are not alone. There's so many people that have very similar experiences, but I kid you not, this is, was like the privilege and honor for me to hear other people's stories, to, to give other people resources. Now I have more and more experts. I'm so excited because they give amazing resources to people because sometimes maybe you've never been trafficked, but you have someone that you know and you don't know what to do. So then you can see and hear or have that like um, light bulb or red flag, you know, that you're gonna know to help someone, then you're gonna be able to help someone or even to know what to do or take the resource and pass to someone else, you know, and save someone's life. So I'm so excited that my little voice create this ripple effect because I want I want to help people. Wow. Wow. Lena, for those who would love to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um, my website is love and be with no E loved.com. It's L O V E A N D B L O V E D. Just in case you're driving guys.com. <laughs> And you can reach out to me through my website. Uh, you can buy the book, listen podcast as well. But if you would like to have signed copy, you can just um, send me email, linasibula at gmail.com. Or if you want to check me out or any on any social media platforms, I'm actually everywhere, the LinkedIn, Facebook, just Google Lina Sibula. And I'm there, just request the friends. I, I like be friends. I like to know more friends. I like to hear your story. And um, if you would like to get the book, it's on amazon.ca or amazon.com as well. And I hope and pray my story inspire you. Or if you want to help uh, victim survivors, or if you need more resources, just connect with me. I will hook you up. I have so many different things that can help you in any, 
anything that you need. Like, I kid you not, I have an amazing resources. And if I don't have it, I have people who have it. So, so definitely, I wherever I can help, I will help you. Amazing. Lena, do, we, do you have any concluding thoughts before we go? Yes, I actually would like to read my favorite quote, if you don't mind. Yes, please. So it's quote by Marian Williamson. And uh, our deeper, deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful, powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And as we let our own light shine, we give other people permission to do the same. My light shines bright these days. Now it's time for you to shine yours upon the world too. That's so powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, Lena Sibula. Thank you for being here today. I know it's not easy. If you are ready to take this journey all the way, I can help. To find more about my unique method of turning your past trauma into your superpower or how to connect with me best, go to annaditchburn.com. This journey is impossible to do on your own. So make sure you like, subscribe and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. And if you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the world's best trauma recovery podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.